What was the first date? First date, we went to a monster movie. And then uh, on the way back, of course, right of passage, she dropped by and uh, saw my cadaver, uh, demonstrated <laughs> that to her. I have a lot of questions. First off, what is a monster movie? Like a, a horror movie? Well, no, just, just at that time, pretty mild, just a, a movie about monsters. <laughs> so you took her to see the monster movie and then you thought, well, she's already kind of in the mood. Maybe I'll, you know, now I'll go show her a cadaver. Yes. Uh, and how did it, how did she take it? Just fine. Me and All My Friends, a podcast about love, life, and joint pain. Produced in partnership with Blakeford Senior Life. Um, I guess if she and, and if she if it passes on that point, if she if she likes the cadaver showing, you know, at that point, it, it might work out. Right. Well, I don't remember that she either liked or disliked. She didn't she didn't express any particular aversion to it. She said, Gene, I'll be in but, touch in a couple months. No, right? she she was a farm girl. She was accustomed to killing hogs and, and killing calves when they needed to be and wringing the heads off of chickens and. Uh, the sorts of things one does on a farm that are less than delicate, I might call it that. Uh, was that part of what you liked about her, that she was not a, not that even quote-unquote girly girls would exist, but you're an outdoorsy guy and, and she's a tobacco farmer and, and you know, what, what, what attracted you to her? Her, her emotional stability, uh, just solid as a rock and, and, uh, we can talk all the rest of our afternoon about her exclusively and, and not run out of subject material, but she was just a wonderful, wonderful woman. And uh, we had a marriage just about three days short of 66 years. So I've got I've got the mic here on a sitting on a, a Webster's Dictionary that's about 2,000 pages. It's the thickest book I've ever seen in my life. But Dr. Regan... The definition for polymath, a person having a wide range of knowledge, would you would you say that best describes you? I think that that was a very generous description of me, but I do I do enjoy knowledge, and I would say it, it's it's a reasonable description. But I think that if I would not use it myself because I think it would be self serving and right. arrogant. Um, then I said it. It wasn't you. It was me. I do enjoy knowledge, and knowledge for knowledge's sake to some degree, but it needs to have some relevance. What is of interest to you right now? Well, the one of the nice things about retirement, I've been retired now 21 years, but has been able, the ability to pursue things that I, I had either been curious about and laid aside because I simply did not have the time that it was... Uh, I've had to devote all my time professionally. Now, when I say that, yet we were out canoe racing and, yeah. and foot racing and uh, hill climbing and those sorts of things, camping. So, no, not every minute was taken up professionally, but the the time that I was not doing something uh, with the children or, or with Elizabeth of an athletic and, and outdoors nature, I was doing things professionally. And... Um, I'm, I'm not a Pauline by nature. I'd much rather be a Barnabas. 
Doctor, if you think I understood what either of those things were. Uh, Pauline is the, the person who enjoys being in leadership positions, uh, as in St. Paul. Uh, Barnabas the, is the meaning of that of that name is son of encouragement. So I love I love encouraging people. Uh, most recently, a young lady who's been admitted to three different medical schools, and I've been encouraging her since oh goodness me, she was probably eleven or twelve years old, maybe a little younger. Uh, so that that I enjoy doing. But the the th- the study areas that I've enjoyed particularly have been. Uh, cosmology and paleoanthropology. Those two are areas that there has an enormous uh, lot known about them already, and all the time there are new things being discovered in those areas. Can we talk about that a little Surely. bit? What's what's been, and I think that's important too to point out, like just the 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 you know the the drive to be ever learning is you know you're always learning, and I want to talk to that's that's a message from my father who's stubborn and says I am who I am and it's like no dad you can keep you can keep learning um it's a little shout out to my dad uh cosmology and what was the, the well paleoanthropology at the anthropologic development of of uh, us as humans but starting in the in the pre-human areas and uh with the uh well, we're we're pretty much all out of Africa uh, left at different times and in different groups. Uh, don't know what's happened to some of them, but we do uh, do understand. I'm, for instance, uh, myself. I'm four percent Neanderthal. And what do you make of that? Well, I th- I'm I'm proud of it because <laughs> imagine surviving in Northern Europe for some probably two hundred thousand years, roughly that. Uh, that the Neanderthals did pretty well living in that climate and learning to get along with animal skins for and, and heavy clothing of that nature, but learning to fend for themselves. And one of the, the sustaining theories that the reason they disappeared is they ran out of protein. They had pretty much either trapped or, or killed all the existing protein that they could find and simply ran out of protein. You know what I find even more interesting going back even further is I had a friend who was uh, did like a, a graduate year in paleontology and he was like oh you should read this book your inner fish and it was just about you know how we evolved from you know a fish just got out on land and uh, eventually evolved to be uh what we know today yeah. um didn't describe that too well but i i just remember from this book uh how the gills of a fish are our ears uh today yeah is that correct that was the, the celiocanth that uh, was a fish that actually could exist in mud uh, and and just kind of do fairly well until it got the water came up and he actually was able then to crawl out and use those front uh, front flippers to walk. Uh, so that was a an interesting piece of, of uh, discovery that uh, we have that can rely on. But um, I'm not kidding, by the way. Sometimes I think about that whenever I'm like, can I do something? I think about how we went from water to land, and if we can do that, Dr. Region, we can do anything. Right. I did a study with the AMA, and I think at the end of that three months, I think it was a three-month study, but I was averaging uh, professional hours of 83 hours a week. 
So that was probably fairly early because I was only the 12th orthopedic surgeon in all of middle Tennessee from northern northern Alabama to southern Kentucky to from, I guess, uh, Crossville, Tennessee to Jackson, Tennessee, just 12 of us. And so it was pretty brutal in those early years. So you're, uh, do you, when you see people now talking about post COVID doing, uh, you know, working from home and four day work weeks, do you, uh, you seem like a gentleman who's, who's open to the idea of things evolving and, and changing, but are you also like, are you kidding me? I no, that's so much. I'm, I'm not, not jealous of that at all. I just, you know, you roll with the punches and, and, uh, you know, somewhere in here, I, I, I think it's worthwhile mentioning that one of the great teachers, uh, as far as I was concerned, of several, well, at least two or three generations, was Dr. F. Tremaine Billings, and and uh, he was uh, he was the I think it was the Princeton Scholar Athlete of the Century. It's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, but he was a road scholar, uh, played rugby over there, and uh, I think perhaps football here. But but Josh was a wonderful teacher, F. Tremaine Billings. And at the end of his life, he was probably in his middle 90s and, and not too far from death, and he understood that. But um, Dr. Roy Elam went to Josh, and he said, Josh, you know, and boy, Roy had visited him on a regular basis. He said, uh I need to ask you a question. He said, you've taught many of us a great deal about medicine and life as well. Thinking back over your decades of practice and teaching, what would you leave us with if you had one word to, to give us and advice as, as physicians? So Josh thought a moment. He said, gentleness, gentleness. And that obtains when so many situations that, you know, thinking of not being jealous about somebody with a three-day week or a four-day week or a, a, a shared practice or a split practice, um, it's just not appropriate to be jealous. That's not an appropriate reaction. It, it's to be gentle with people, with reactions. Um, you know, that's, that's a very good thought to have left us with as physicians yeah. with Josh Billings. Me and All My Friends, hosted and produced by Ben Odo. For more interviews, visit meandallmyfriendspod.com and make sure to follow us at Me and All My Friends on Instagram. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Julie Dowd, Brian Barnes, John McHugh, and Warner Tidwell. I'm Mariah Paris, and nobody ever thanks me. Yeah.